James chapter 1, and we will begin at verse 16. We'll go through verse 18, just the opening text, and you'll see what I'm going to talk about here shortly. It says, Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With Him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By His own choice, He gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of His creatures. In the book of James, verse 17, it talks about the generous acts and the perfect gifts that come down. And they come down from above. They come down from above, and that means they come down from our Father in heaven. And in this text, he's called the Father of Lights. Father of light. You ever thought about what that might mean? I believe myself, and I believe that you'll find if you study that text and that passage, what that's referring to is that he's the father of his heavenly lights that he created back in Genesis and that he appointed back in Genesis. And those things bring us good gifts and generous acts from our Father. How much more generosity could we receive than Yahweh, the Father of lights, blessing us with certain days that are determined by those lights where He'll come and visit us and give us a good refreshing. Do you feel refreshed today? I feel a spirit of refreshing, you know, a spirit of love. And He refreshes us on these particular days that He has appointed by His calendar. had a great time at Brother Frankie's and Sister Denise's last night and I let everybody go through the food line, and then I was hoping that there would be some left. And so I got up there, and I got me some salad and some beef and chicken and mashed potatoes, and, man, it was good. I really enjoyed it. I went back for seconds. I didn't go back for thirds, Brother Frankie, but I did go back for seconds. I got some sweet tea, whoever made that. I don't drink much sweet tea, but that was good. It was really good. So as I was eating, and I looked around, and I try whenever I'm at a, location where there's a lot of people that I don't know or that I don't see often, I try to make it a point to go and fellowship and talk with people that I normally wouldn't talk to because, you know, the Scriptures teach that if we want to have friends that we've got to show ourselves friendly, right? We're always waiting for somebody to be friendly to us, but we've got to make that step and be friendly to them. So I found a a table where there was two couples sitting that I don't get to see often. They attend two different churches. None of them come here. The two attend two different churches. And as I sat there, we began to talk about August Rain and some of the songs that that we've written and recorded recently. And then all of a sudden, across from the table, I get this question. Brother Matthew said, Yes, sister. She said, When do y'all go to church? I said, Oh, Lord. <laughs> How long do you have? But the Father laid it upon my heart as He laid it upon TJ's heart to speak in simplicity and to not try to give too much. And so I began to cover what I want to talk about today in simplicity because sometimes I think what we do is we get so deep into the Word that we forget where we came from and how beautiful something was when it was shared with us in simplicity. You know, here we are, we're meeting on Sunday, that's normal to the world this month, this month, as Brother Tim likes to call it. 
But next month, you know, I haven't looked at the calendar. I've been watching the moon, but it's it's either going to be on Monday or Tuesday next month, and then it'll be on Wednesday or Thursday the month after that. So people wonder, you know, wow, why in the world do y'all worship on these different days? I was over here working one day, and Sister Hazel's brother, Paul, was over here working, and he and I didn't talk too much, and he stopped me in the middle of working, and he said, I want to ask you a question. He said, I know I don't know you, he said, but I think you go to church here. I said, yes, sir. And he said, I want to ask you how y'all decide when y'all are going to have church. He said, do you just kind of make it up as you go along? <laughs> and he was serious, though. And I, and I kind of smiled. I said, no, sir. And I explained it to him. And when I explained it to him after two or three minutes, he said, well, thank you for explaining. And we went back to work. People think that we're loony. That might not be that bad of a term because loony comes from lunation or lunar, right? So we might be a little bit loony. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. This is what I shared with that sister last night, briefly, in love. Because she asked me. And how many know that when we're asked about what we believe, that we're supposed to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us? How many know that the Son of Yahweh said if we're ashamed of Him, He'd be ashamed of us before the Father? I think about that often. That doesn't mean we've got to bombard every person that we see. But that does mean that if we're called upon at any given moment, especially if we're asked, we need to respond. And we need to respond in love. Genesis 1, verse 14, it says, Then the Almighty said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. So the Almighty made the two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night as well as the stars. The Almighty placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to dominate the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. The Almighty saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the fourth day. Here what we have is the foundational text. This is the text that you should always go to when somebody asks you about why you keep the Sabbath when you do, or why do you not work on certain days, or why do you go to church on Sunday this month and then Monday the next month. And this is where I always take people back to the book of beginnings. You know, the word Genesis, that's a Greek word. That's what the first book of the Bible is called in the Greek Septuagint. In the Hebrew Scriptures, it's called Bereshit. That's a Hebrew word that means beginning. So when you think of the name Bereshit, it's just calling the book the beginning. And when we go back to the book of beginnings, we learn so much. We don't only learn about the calendar, but we learn about how that we are supposed to dress. We learn about marriage and how beautiful it is, right? We learn about a lot of things in the book of Genesis, a lot of things in the book of beginnings. But what I want to center in on today in this sermon is that we learn how to tell time. How to tell time. Look again at verse 14. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from the night. And then we read, if you're reading the King James Version, it says, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Those are all calendar words. Let them be. Let what be? The lights. 
He's the father of the lights, James 1.17. Let then be. And of course we know he says that the greater light rules by day. And we know what that is. That's the sun, the S-U-N sun. The lesser light rules by night. We know what that is. It's the moon. And then he tells us along with the stars. So the sun, the moon, and the stars are the way that Yahweh appointed to tell time. That's how it's to be done. Years ago, when I began to study about the biblical calendar, I found, as I studied, every civilization known to man anciently, every single one of them, to some extent, used some form or variation of the sun, the moon, or the stars. Some of them would only use the sun, some only the moon, some the sun and the moon, some the stars and the sun, but they all used some form of the heavenly lights to tell time. Why? Because that's really the only way that you can tell time is by the lights in the heavens. Now, what we have before us today in the year 2013 that we live in is we have in the Gregorian calendar, the calendar that America goes by today that was originally the Roman calendar, switched to the Julian calendar in 46 B.C. and then about 1582 A.D., there was a pope of the Catholic Church named Pope Gregory, and he kind of tweaked it a little bit to what we have now. In this calendar that we have now, it does not totally dismiss the heavenly lights. It still recognizes the light of the sun to a great extent. Now, the moon and the stars, they're out. They got booted out by Julius Caesar in 46 B.C. He took the advice of an astronomer named Sosigenes, that encouraged him, look, we don't really need the moon to calculate the calendar. And so Julius Caesar in 46 B.C. removed the moon from calculating the calendar. And that is part of the reason why today, in the Gregorian calendar, we do not use the moon anymore. Okay? Now, let me go back to the basics here. We have something in Genesis 1.14 called a day. Remember he said, let them be for signs and for seasons. Then he says, and for days and years. And we know and believe that by the lights in the heavens, we can know when a day ends and when a day begins. But an artificial measurement for the day nowadays is at 12 a.m. Brother Arnold has said, what if we were out camping, Brother Matthew, and I nudged you at 12 a.m. I said, what's going on, Brother Arnold? He said, a new day just begun. How in the world do I know that? Well, I just have to take his word, or he looked at his watch. There's nothing in nature to tell you when a new day begins if you judge it by the 12 a.m. time slot. However, if you judge things by the rising and the setting of the sun, we know that the sun, what does it do? It rules by day. The greater light rules by day. And then the lesser light rules by night. You have something in nature, see. And we know that biblically when we celebrate Feasts and special days, they're celebrated from evening to evening, according to several passages in the Bible. And then we have something called the month. And the month today is arbitrary. You ever wonder why, you know, February's got 28 days, leap year's got 29, some months have 30 days, some months have 31. It's a long story, but if you'll notice, the reason that some of the months have a larger number of days is because they were named after people that felt they were very prestigious people. For instance, July that we know today is named after Julius 
Caesar, and that's why the month of July has 31 days, is because he in pride wanted to lift himself up, and that month named after him, he wanted that month to have a bigger number of days than the other months of the year. But there's nothing in nature that would teach us this month's 28 days, this month's 30 days, this month's 31. It's just totally arbitrary. Originally, even in the Roman calendar, originally the months were determined by the moon. That's where we get our English word month, right? It's from moon. That's where it comes from. I told the sister last night, I said, when you and your husband got married, did you go on a honeymoon? She said, well, absolutely, brother. We went on a honeymoon. I said, well, do you know why you call it a honeymoon? Well, I've never thought about that. You know what? I used to not ever think about those things either. But the reason that it's called a honeymoon is because it's the first moon, originally, it's the first moon or month of their marriage. And the honey refers to the sweetness of the time and and the love that is being partaken in by the husband and the wife. So the months were originally determined by the moon. And months had either 29 or 30 days at length. Because when you go by the lunar cycle, it's either a 29-day cycle or a 30-day cycle. And so then we graduate to a bigger cycle of a year. And when we come to the Gregorian calendar, we have a year beginning in the middle of the winter time. Everything is dead. There's no leaves on the trees. The birds are not out singing. The grass is dead. You don't have to cut your grass on January the 1st, generally speaking, right? Especially where we live. Everything's dead. Yahweh's new year, though, begins when things come alive. Makes sense, doesn't it? See, it's in nature. The grass begins to grow. The leaves start coming back out on the trees. You see the birds, they come out and they start chirping. And you know, Brother Arnold, spring has arrived. It's beautiful, isn't it? But January, the reason in 46 B.C., remember, by the Roman calendar, prior to 46 B.C., the moon was used in the Roman calendar. And the first month of the year was March 1. That was actually a new moon. That was the first moon or month of the Roman calendar year. And that's why we have at the end of the Roman calendar or the Gregorian calendar today, that's why we have months named September, which sept is Greek or Latin for seven. And October, which is Greek or Latin, oct is Greek or Latin for eight. If you ask your child, how many legs does an octopus have? They say eight. How many sides does an octagon have? They say eight. And you ask them, which month is October? And they say eight. But you know what? It's not. It was originally, but it's not now. Now it's the tenth month. Why? Because of the change in the calendar. November, Nov is nine. December, D-E-C, is ten. Now we start the year on January the first. People stay up late to watch the peach drop in Atlanta or the apple drop in New York. And the month of January is named after a heathen deity, Janus, or before the J would be Janus. And he was a two-faced deity, a two-faced god. And he was the god of gates and doors that swang both ways. He was worshipped at, at uh, weddings and, and uh, birthdays and things like this. And he had two faces because one could bring out the old year and bring in the new year. Right? And so they would worship him. And Julius Caesar said, what better uh, month? to say the first month of the year than the deity, one of the deities that we worship whose name is Janus. You know, that doesn't sound kosher at all, does it? Kosher means fit or proper. doesn't sound kosher at all. And then we come to the week. And you know, when you're talking with people, even people of Yahweh that love the Torah and keep the feasts, 
and you talk about all the annual festivals and the new moons and they realize that all of them are based on the lunar cycle. And then you come to the week and we have the, the days and the months and the years that we talked about. But then when we come to the week, what people usually want to do is they want to run back to the refrigerator and look at the calendar that they've got on the refrigerator. And it's count, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, that's not Yahweh's calendar, brothers and sisters. It didn't just all of a sudden become Yahweh's calendar for the week. It wasn't his calendar for the day. It wasn't his calendar for the month. It wasn't his calendar for the year, Brother Jerry. And it's not his calendar for the week either. And thus, it's not his calendar for the Sabbath. So if the Sabbath is on the seventh day, which we know Genesis tells us, we have to figure out the seventh day of what calendar, see? And if we go by man's calendar, we're going by the wrong calendar. If I tell you that the Day of Atonement is on the tenth day of the seventh month, which it is, and you say, okay, Brother Matthew, that sounds good. Let's keep it. So we're going to count January, February, March, April, May, June, July. July is the seventh month, and let's count ten days, and we'll keep Day of Atonement on July the tenth. Sister Ron, if I told you that, you'd say, no, brother, that's the wrong calendar. We've got to go by Yahweh's calendar, the tenth day of the seventh month on Yahweh's calendar, right? Well, absolutely. But you know what? People do that, though, for the Sabbath or for the week. It's the seventh day of Yahweh's week that comes after six work days, not the seventh day of the Gregorian calendar. And that was one of the things back in late fall 1999 that got my attention immediately because when Brother Arnold and I were presented with what I'm talking about right now, we were already celebrating the New Moon Day, which is all through the Bible over 60 times where Yahweh's people celebrated a special day on the New Moon. We already celebrated the annual festivals like Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles and Yom Teruah, the Day of Shoutings or Trumpets. And we kept all those days by Yahweh's calendar. And a brother asked us, he said, why do you keep all those days, every one of Yahweh's days, by his calendar, but yet you keep the Sabbath by another calendar? And I was out working, and Brother Arnold called me and told me to go ahead and come on home from work. He said, because you need to come and help me. Either I'm being deceived or I'm being told some truth. So I got there, and I remember after it was gone through with me, I looked at Brother Arnold and I said, I don't see how that this could be wrong. We already actually believe it, but just not to the extent that we need to believe. Genesis 1, 14 through 18 is a beautiful, foundational text that you need to learn and take people to when they ask. Let's turn our Bible to Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse 19. The Psalms are beautiful. Brother Dan and Brother Tim has been reading through the book of Psalms for a while now. And here in Psalm 104 verse 19 we have one verse that talks about the creation of Yahweh. If you read above and below it's talking about other aspects of Yahweh's creation. And in verse 19 in the HCSB Bible that I'm reading it says, He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows when to set. If you're reading the King James Version, the first part of that verse says, He, and that He is obviously the Almighty Yahweh, He appointed the moon for seasons. Now it's interesting because if you have a KJV Bible and you went to Genesis 1.14 where it says, Let there be lights and let them be for signs and for seasons, days and years. 
And then you reference that to Psalm 104, verse 19, where it says, He appointed the moon for seasons. Not only is that the same English word, seasons in Genesis and seasons in Psalms, but that's the same Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word is moedim, and that word means an appointed time. The lights are to be for an appointed time. And in Psalm 104, verse 19, Yahweh kind of gets more specific. And he says, look, there's a specific light in the heavens that's going to really help you tell when your seasons or your moedim or your appointed times are. And that light is what, brothers and sisters? It's the moon. He appointed the moon for seasons. There's another parallel between Genesis and Psalms. In the KJV where it says he appointed... If you take that back to Genesis 1.16 where it says, Then the Almighty made two great lights. Made in Genesis, appointed in Psalms, but the same Hebrew word in the Hebrew Scriptures, and that is the word asa. And one of the translations in the English is to appoint something. And so when we read Psalm 104, verse 19, He made the moon to mark the seasons, or He appointed the moon for seasons, we have to ask ourselves, when did He do this? Well, he did it back in Genesis 1, 14 through 18 on the fourth day of making the heavens and the earth. Look with me now to Leviticus chapter 23. We've talked about Genesis, the book of beginnings. Yahweh establishes his calendar. We went to Psalm 104, 19, a very specific text that talks about one of the heavenly lights. Remember, he's the father of lights. That's who we're talking about. James calls him the father of lights. Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 3. Yahweh spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, These are my appointed times. Feasts in the King James Version. You know what that is in the Hebrew? Moedim. Same word as seasons in Genesis 1.14. Same word as seasons in Psalm 104.19. These are my appointed times. The times of Yahweh that you will proclaim as sacred assemblies. That's what we're doing right now. We're having a sacred, a set-apart gathering. This is the very first one, verse 3. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, a sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to Yahweh wherever you live. This was here and has been here for thousands of years, this text. But until 1999, I never understood the clarity of the first appointed time on Yahweh's calendar that he mentions in Leviticus 23. Generally, when you bring up Leviticus 23, people believe it's talking about just things like Passover, Pentecost, Day of Shoutings, Feast of Tabernacles. And if you go on to read, it is talking about those things. But the very first appointed time that Yahweh lists in Leviticus 23 is the Sabbath day. Yes, it's given the number seven. It says the seventh day is the Sabbath. But remember, we've already covered how we're going to determine days and years and appointments. And it's by the heavenly lights, isn't it? And if the way that you determine a special day on Yahweh's calendar is not by the heavenly lights, then it's not a day that He appointed. You've got to go by His calendar. So if the Sabbath is the very first appointed time, under which all of the other appointed times hang, and I believe that is how we should understand it, then the Sabbath should be determined by Yahweh's calendar, shouldn't it? It should be. 
See, we should look at the Ten Commandments just like Yeshua talks about that there's two commandments and that doesn't mean that there's only two and that it's just a mind thing to love Yahweh and love your neighbor. It means that all of the commandments, you can either put them up under love Yahweh, under that category, or under love your neighbor, under that category. Well, the ten work the same way. They do. Every single one of the ten, none of them stands by itself. They all have statutes that hang up under their commandments. And then under the statutes you have something called judgments, violations for breaking those commandments. And so with the Sabbath, the commandment is the weekly seventh day. That's the primary day. But then we have statutes like we have a monthly Sabbath on the new moon. We have yearly Sabbaths on certain days, special ones, right? We have a very special Sabbath on the tenth day of the seventh moon, which is the Day of Atonement. So all of these hang up under, the sabbatical year hangs up under the fourth commandment. It's just like the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. That's a bare commandment. There are statutes that hang up under that commandment to tell you how you honor your father and mother. One of the statutes is that when they are elderly, when they get old and cannot fend for themselves anymore, you as their child are supposed to provide and take care of your father and your mother. That's one of the statutes to the commandment. Another one is respect. Treat them with reverence. So the commandments are just bare commandments. Statutes hang up under them. Leviticus 23, 1-3 will teach us that the primary appointed time is the Sabbath day, the weekly Sabbath day. How is it then that every single one of the rest of the appointed times from verse 4 to the end of the chapter in verse 44, all of those are determined by Yahweh's calendar Why in the world would not the primary commandment, the primary appointed time, be determined by Yahweh's calendar? It is not a coincidence. This was told to me many years ago. It's not a coincidence that the moon cycles in seven-day intervals. That's not a coincidence. That is a natural phenomenon, and Yahweh teaches us in His Word that we learn a lot of things by nature. Right? Romans 1 says we learn that it's wrong to be a homosexual by nature. Right? 1 Corinthians 11.16 says, Does not nature itself teach us that if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her? We learn things by nature. And when we look at the heavens, Yahweh's teaching us by nature that He created. Always remember, if nature teaches you something, it's Yahweh teaching you something because He created nature. We're not worshiping nature as a deity. We are reverencing the method that Yahweh gave to us to use to know when He's going to come and visit us. So these three passages were shown to me, and then we're going to go to one more. Let's look at Ezekiel 46. Because this was, for me, the nail in the coffin about the Sabbath. Remember Genesis? Foundational passage. Sun, moon, stars. And boy, there's a lot more to that, but that's not what this message is about. A lot more to that. Psalm 104, he appointed the moon for seasons. And let's don't leave out the sun because Psalm 104, 19b says, the sun knoweth it's going down. So the sun is there too. And also you'll see about the heavens in Psalm chapter 19. And then we go to Leviticus where he says, these are my appointed times. Well, how do we know when his appointed times are? We know by his calendar, see, the heavenly lights. He's the Father of of lights. Look at Ezekiel 46, verse 1. 
the first part says, this is what the sovereign Yahweh or the Lord Yahweh says. And I need to stop right there because I want to make a point that sometimes when you quote a text, when you're talking to people about the biblical calendar, and you quote a text like Ezekiel 46, they think because it's not in the first five books of the Bible that it's really not as relevant as anything from Genesis to Deuteronomy. However, did you notice what we just read in verse 1? This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. When prophets wrote books of prophecy, it wasn't Ezekiel, let's use him, it wasn't like Ezekiel was sitting there trying to make up something. It was miraculous. Ezekiel was carried along and moved and wrote by the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. Now, Yahweh used his talents and his different mannerisms and methods. He used them. That's why we have different styles of writing in the Scriptures. But Yahweh inspired or breathed out those words. You know how when you breathe or when you talk, you can put your hand in front of your mouth and you can feel your breath? That's what it means when it says all Scripture is Elohim breathed. He spoke it out into existence through his prophets and apostles. So Ezekiel 46 says, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says. This is not Ezekiel. This is a prophet. This is a prophecy book. But it's Yahweh speaking. And remember what Yeshua said in Matthew 5, verse 17? He said, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Right. We forget about the prophets sometimes. But the prophets are just as important. Isaiah 8, verse 20 says, to the Torah and the Teodah. That's to the law and the testimony. And that Teodah is referenced to the prophetic writings. If they don't speak according to this, it's because there's no sunrise or no light in them. And that might go along with the heavenly calendar, that verse, even more than we originally thought. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. The gate of the inner court that faces east must be closed during the six days of work. Let's say that I'm back here and I am going to appoint Brother Jerry Kendall to be the man that closes the gate on the six days of work. Brother Jerry, you have that authorization. You've been chosen. Brother Jerry, we got this gate over here of the inner court that faces the east. And on the six working days, you got to have that gate closed. He says, yes, sir, no problem, brother. Make sure the gate's closed on the six working days. But then I tell him, Brother Jerry, but it will be opened on the Sabbath day. He says, that's not a problem, brother. Because after we work for six days, we're going to rest on the seventh day, and I'm going to open that gate. And do you know what? Those two commands never conflict. They never contradict. And this is why the Sabbath day will never fall on one of the six work days. Think about that. It'll never happen. Therefore, the gate is shut on the six work days, and then the Sabbath is here, and I say, Brother Jerry... Let's open that gate because there's going to have to be some worship going on. He says, yes, sir, no problem. He opens that gate. And look at verse 3. This is what happens. In verse 3 it says, The people of the land will also bow and worship before Yahweh at the entrance of that gate on the Sabbaths and new moons. And we'll get to the new moons in a second. So we come on the Sabbath and we're at the entrance there of the, the inner court, that gate that looks toward the east. And I think there's significance to that. I won't get into it right now. No problem. Shut six working days, open on the Sabbath, 
never contradict, but this is the passage that got me years ago. Then at the end of verse 1 it says, and opened on the day of the new moon. Now the new moon is mentioned in the very next breath after the weekly Sabbath. And we know that the Sabbath will never fall on one of the six working days, and thus the command to shut the gate and open the gate will never contradict. The new moon is mentioned in direct relation to the Sabbath as being separate from the six working days in this text. Brothers and sisters, what this means is that the new moon will not fall on one of the six working days. That's what it means. Now, when we used to keep Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening, we'd keep the Sabbath and then about once a month the new moon would roll around and the new moon, let's say, would roll in on a Wednesday. Well, that was one of our six working days. So I said, Brother Jerry, it's a working day, so we've got to make sure the gate's shut today. And then Brother Jerry looks at me and says, Well, hold a second, Brother. It's the new moon. And Yahweh says on the new moon we've got to have the gate open. And then I look back at him and I say, but it's a working day though, Brother Jerry. It's one of the six working days. And he says, but it's the new moon. <laughs> you see, and we just keep going on and on. Are we supposed to close the gate or are we supposed to open it? Well, we have a conflict of commands. And Yahweh never deals with that. He never tells us what to do. And you know why? The reason he doesn't tell us is because if you do it properly, you don't have a contradiction or a conflicting command. The new moon cannot fall just like the Sabbath. The new moon cannot fall on one of the six working days. And if you know that, if you know just this little bit that I've went through today, if you know that, you will keep the Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, but it will always fall out on the 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th day of the moon or the month. Somebody says, Brother Matthew, you keep a Sabbath on the 8th day. And I say, no. I don't. I keep the Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, but the eighth day, fifteenth day of the moon. See, there's a difference. And you have four weeks in every moon. Four times seven is what? Twenty-eight. You have one or two days left over, making your 29-day months or your 30-day months by the lunar cycle. Ezekiel 46 and 1 is extremely powerful. And you know what it teaches us? If the new moon and the Sabbath are separate from the six working days, you know what it teaches us? When we go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1, and I'm going to close with this, and we read about those six days where Yahweh worked, and we go over here in Ezekiel 46 where Yahweh, the same one that worked on those six days, Yahweh is speaking in Ezekiel 46 and 1. Remember, thus says the sovereign Yahweh, the gate shut on the six working days, but it's open on the Sabbath and the new moon. That lets us know that those six days that Yahweh worked, none of them could have been the Sabbath and none of them could have been a new moon. That's what it proves. And then you had a second week roll around. That's 14 days. Then you had a third week roll around. That's 21 days. And you had a fourth week roll around. That's 28 days. And by the time your fourth week got through, guess what would happen? You'd be at a new moon and you'd have a back-to-back rest at the end of the month. And then you'd start the cycle over again. And I actually believe myself, and I've taught on it in the past about the day of shoutings, I believe that even before the first week, I believe there was a section or a space of time in the beginning when Yahweh created the heavens and the earth that represents the new moon, period. But that's not the point. My point is is that the calendar of Yahweh is simple. And when these verses were showed to me, back in 1999, and I didn't know anything about what I know now. 
it was so simple and it was so refreshing and I was so much at joy to know when Yahweh's Sabbath was, just like I knew when His other days were. One time I was doing a job and we got through with that job and that woman asked me, Sister Dorothy, she said, I kept Saturday Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening at that time. And she said, how do you know that Saturday is the Sabbath? And I'll be honest with you, I tried not to let it show on the outside, but Sister Kathy, I started getting cold feet on the inside <laughs> because I didn't know what I was going to tell her. I had not a clue. And so I said, come on, Yahweh, hit me with something here. So I said, well, I said, look at your calendar. She had a calendar on the refrigerator. I said, look at your calendar on the refrigerator. She went over and looked at the calendar. I said, see, Sunday's the first day of the week. Saturday's the seventh day of the week. She looked at it and she said, oh, she said, okay, okay. And inside my mind I went, phew. <laughs> well, I'm glad she accepted that because I don't know what else I'm going to tell her. I have no clue on what I'm going to tell her. Brother Jerry, there's no way I can prove that the day we call Saturday was the same day that Yahweh rested on in Genesis 2. I can't prove that. But if I go by His heavenly lights, and He's the Father of lights, remember what we started off with, James 1.17, that's important. He's the Father of those lights, and He ordained and created them for His people so that we would know when to visit Him. And I think about it how he must have taught Adam all these things in the garden in the beginning when he would walk with them in the cool of the day. It's a beautiful thing. Yahweh's calendar is so precious. And I went over that last night with that sister, but not all of it. I did it in about five minutes. But when I got through just Genesis 1, and I touched on Psalm 104 just a little bit, and I talked about nature and telling time, you know what I saw? She was hungry, and she hadn't been eating for a while. I'm talking spiritually. And man, she was soaking it up. And I could sense in my spirit that it wasn't going over well with some other people that were around, and so I shut it off. But I could tell she was wanting more. She was wanting more. And you know what? Next time I might water that seed next time I see her a little bit. So. Don't you love Yahweh? We love the Father of lights today. Isn't He wonderful? Let's stand and have a word of prayer as we, as we close. Let's pray. Yahweh, I love you. I love your ways. I love your thoughts. I love your law. I love your son who did it all perfectly, never messing up one time. Father, thank you for your natural calendar, your natural way of telling time. Thank you for revealing it to us and let us be kind and let us be gentle with people that don't yet understand it. Father Yahweh, but let us, Father, be willing to talk and to share. So this has been a great holy convocation today, a sacred assembly. And we're doing our best to keep it on the day that you appointed, Father Yahweh. You know our heart. We're striving to do that, Father. This is the first Sabbath of the fourth moon. Father, we kept your new moon last week, and then we worked for six days, and then we rested on the seventh day. And we're going to do that four times this month, and then your new moon is going to come around again. And it's just so wonderful. I just get joy in my heart when I think about it. It's beautiful. And I believe that your holy men and women of old thought about it too and just rejoiced. Yahweh, thank you for wisdom and knowledge. Let us never boast as though we did not receive it. But let us remain humble and keep us, Father, teachable so that we can continue to receive more revelation and knowledge from you. Father Yahweh, let us, when people think that we're strange and that we're weird, let us remember 
that we have to trust in you with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding and that we cannot allow what people think to turn us away from what you think, Father Yahweh. And I'm a people person, Yahweh, and I don't like to hurt people's feelings, but if it comes down to it, you have to be the one that I'm most worried about. So help me, Yahweh, in that area. I thank you for your son, Yeshua of Nazareth, my Messiah, the anointed one, the one that you sent, and the one that lived perfectly for us, died sacrificially in our place, took the wrath of you, Yahweh, upon himself as a substitute, and then on the third day you raised him from death to immortality. I'm so thankful for his perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection. And, Father, it's through your Son that I pray to you. 